0: the glory of God. Amen. Amen. You know, it's such a privilege for those of us who are part of the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Communion to be in full communion with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and to know that any of our graduates might well be offered a position in a parish composed of both Lutherans and Anglicans. One of the several reasons we worship God using Lutheran liturgies is so that our graduates will be ready and able to serve in positions like that. These are now our liturgies too. We're honored at this seminary to have a faculty member who is a Lutheran, Mitzi Buddy, our head librarian, and an ecumenical theologian who has served both of our denominations. And also to have two members of our staff who are Lutherans. Karen Madigan, who works in the library, and Rachel Holm, who works at admissions. In our gospel passage for today, Jesus speaks of God's great harvest, which is God's mission field, and of God's calling to all the baptized to help with this wonderful harvest. Jesus tells his disciples to look around them and to see that the fields are ripe and ready for harvesting and to give thanks for the work of those who came before, those who sowed the seed and tended the soil. He says to his disciples, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. It's true, of course, in every academic discipline that we stand on the shoulders of giants. If sometimes we think we can see farther than they did, it's because we're standing on their shoulders to look. (laughs) This is especially true of the ecumenical movement to which generations of Lutherans and Anglicans have contributed their labors. Our celebration this morning of the full communion between our churches is only possible because of the labors of those before us. We enter into a harvest not of our own making, for which we are grateful to God. And because today is also the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the start of the Jewish New Year, we might also apply that same logic to interfaith dialogues. So much more is possible for us today because of the labors of those who worked for an interfaith harvest and an ecumenical harvest. So I thought I would see what Martin Luther had to say about John 4, 31 to 38. Those of you who know Luther's thought know that for him there were two great theologians of the New Testament, Paul and John. We often associate Luther with Paul, especially with Galatians, the letter which Luther called his Katie von Bora, his wife and true love. But Luther also wrote extensively on the Gospel of John, and I was delighted to see that volume 22 of Luther's works was titled Sermons on the Gospel of John chapters 1 to 4. I flipped through the pages to get to John 4:31 to 38, which was hard to do because he stops at John 4:10. <laughs> so there's a little note at the end of the book which says This marks the conclusion of Dr. Martin Luther's sermons on the first four chapters of the Gospel of John. He discontinued preaching here because Dr. Pomeranus had returned from Denmark. Why couldn't Dr. (laughs) Pomeranus have stayed in Denmark just a few more weeks? (laughs) Mercifully, Luther also lectured extensively on the Psalms and in volume 11, I found his thoughts on Psalm 99, our psalm for today. Luther focused his attention on verse one and verses five to six. The Lord is king, let the people tremble. The Lord is enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth shake. And proclaim the greatness of the Lord. God is the Holy One. Moses and Aaron among your priests and Samuel among those who call upon your name, O Lord. And Luther comments, Moses and Aaron are so much less than God that they are numbered among God's priests. And Samuel, the first great prophet, would not have called upon the name of, lo- of the Lord if God were not the Holy One. And here, Luther on Psalm 99 is singing in the same choir as our lessons from number 11 and 1 Corinthians 3. The spirit of the Lord that is poured out on the 70 elders also has no problem finding Eldad and Medad, who didn't make it to the tent of Moses, of meeting where Moses was with the others. You might say that their ordinations were valid but irregular. (laughs) When Joshua tries to get Moses to stop them from prophesying without a license, Moses says, Why? Would that all? people were prophets. And Paul asks the Corinthians who want to glorify whichever person baptized them personally, what is Paul? What is Apollos? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, let's not get confused about whose harvest this is, whose mission, and whose calling. Moses and Aaron, Samuel and the prophets, Paul and Apollos and others, not to mention Miriam and Huldah and Deborah, the wise woman of Tekoa, Lydia, Mary Magdalene, and others. Then much later, Luther and Cranmer, and way too many others to mention here, have all been workers in God's harvest. And now it's our turn. What a privilege it is to work side by side with our Lutheran sisters and brothers as they celebrate 500 years since Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the University Church in Wittenberg on the Eve of All Saints in 1517. As we approach that adversary, We give thanks to the Lord of the harvest who has called us to work together.